Welcome to the Multifamily Five, where industry experts provide raw information about how they are achieving success in the current market conditions. And now, your host, Dallas-based real estate broker, Mark Allen. And welcome to the Multifamily Five. Today I have Mark Belsky, Managing Director of Eastern Equity Advisors. Mark, how's it going? Uh, great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So for those listeners who are new to the podcast, we typically just ask five questions. Uh, no fluff, get right to the meat. And uh, I'm excited to talk to Mark today who provides equity uh, for deals. And with that, Mark, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit about your background, your experience, and then um, what you and your company are focused on. Sure. So uh, in terms of background, I, you know, I started roughly 20 years ago, um, spent many years on, on the principal side, um, and then joined and launched Eastern Equity Advisors about five, uh, close to six years ago, September will be about six years. Um, probably have done close to $10 billion worth of deals in history um, since I got started, both in terms of just buying and, uh, you know, on the principal side and then brokering and, and raising debt and equity, et cetera. Uh, you know, um, we're, we're, we're focused on, you know, as a shop, we, we, the shop itself has also been around for about 20 years. Uh, we do about five plus billion a, a year in debt and equity placement. Um, you know, Eastern Equity is an affiliate of Eastern Union. We do quite a, uh, quite a, uh, quite a lot of deals. I think we're the second most active, uh, shop in the country in terms of volume. We do about 900 to a thousand deals a year. Uh, I primarily focus on middle market equity, which we define as five to 50 million, uh, which means deal size of roughly 15 to 20 million, up to about 200 million, primarily from single source providers. So, you know, think of uh, private equity funds, real estate funds, uh, multifamily offices. We don't do syndications. We don't do high net worth investors. We don't do single family offices, um, mostly by design. You know, we have a securities license and it's just not a super efficient business. And it's hard for us really to, to, to add value because we do things on uh, you know, on a methodical basis, and you know, we'll talk about we'll talk about. I'm sure the process, uh, you know, um, next. But in terms of what we're focusing on, so that's really what we focus on. Um, I've probably raised close between four and five hundred million. I don't know the exact numbers. You know, close to half a billion dollars of middle market equity this way, um, covering probably about two two and a half billion dollars worth of deals. Probably fifteen twenty thousand units at this point. Uh, doing this in the last couple of years, and you know, we're 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 really focused on helping our clients. Right? There's a lot of different interesting things going on in the market right now. And we're just here to help and hopefully uh, get, get through this interesting time. Yeah. Great. Mark and I haven't met directly. However, I see a lot of his deals on LinkedIn. I know he's very active. He's a beast. So uh, that's why I had him on the podcast today. He made a post um, as of recent that just kind of got my, my uh, thoughts going. So um, with that, I guess my first question would be what's the current appetite for equity groups? And, um, you know, kind of a subset of that, what's the minimum experience level that a sponsor must have in order for uh, some of the groups that you're working with to provide, you know, commitment to equity? Yeah, sure. So look, the current appetite is, you know, on a scale of one to 10, 11, there's a lot of dry powder out there and that is super hungry. I mean, you know, we came out with a deal um, last Friday, uh, today's Tuesday. So the prior Friday, uh, I believe on the, um, on the uh, the fifth client of ours tied up something in bankruptcy uh, as a token host bidder. By Monday, we had three calls lined up. By Tuesday, we had two term sheets on it. So, you know, a lot of, lot of appetite for the right deal. Um, uh, the right deal, again, is obviously uh, relative. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to get vanilla deal do deals done. This was a, a, a opportunistic type 
deal coming out of bankruptcy, uh, a lot of the stress involved, which is, you know, things want to, people want to hear. I think, you know, the, the, the big news, the big uh, buzzword back in uh, March and April was we want to see post-COVID pricing. People have kind of dropped that and just really kind of looking, turning over all the stones and, 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 and all the rocks and trying to find that needle in a haystack of, of the stress because, it, you know, we don't really see wholesale distress just yet. So, uh, and I can tell you also, interestingly enough, there's, there's a tremendous amount of dry powder. Coincidentally, there happened to be a lot of fund closes back in February and, and March time. And so people just launched new funds and are just sitting at a tremendous amount of dry powder. So there's definitely a lot of appetite to put that powder out. Uh, you know, the real question is what they're looking for and how, you know, and how, and how they're going to deploy it. Uh, that's where it kind of gets a little bit, you know, thin. It's hard to find the right deal uh, that people are looking for. And, you know, people, uh, that being said, for the right deal, there's a lot, there's a lot of, you know, just to answer the question, there's a lot of uh, appetite and there's a lot of capital. Um, okay. In terms of minimal experience, you know, specifically now, there's a flight to quality in terms of a sponsorship. They really, you know, it's, it's prior to that, there's a lot of deals and it was, uh, you know, kind of easy free flow. Um, there's fewer deals now and it's harder to get across the finish line and, and, and people are being a little bit more selective. So I would say, you know, somebody that's got a minimum of five plus years experience in terms of, let's say, I know you guys are focused on the multifamily. So, you know, five inch to a thousand units, at least preferably round trips and deals, uh, you know, showing a history of success and stuff like that. If you're a real beginner, um, you know, you're probably not going to attract capital. And by being a real beginner, that means if you started buying, you know, two, three years ago, haven't really round tripped anything, I'm really shown, um, uh, you know, successful a- uh, uh, exits, it's probably going to be a little difficult to raise the capital, but there are other ways to skin the cat, right? I mean, there's, we can partner you up with somebody who can, you know, the idea I would suggest to anybody out there is focus on finding the good real estate deals. Everything else will fall into place. Yeah. Did they look at all, if, if you projected a, you know, two X multiple um, and you only hit a one six or anything like that, it, are you, do they scrutinize or really just, does it depend on the group? Yeah. Again, you're talking about in past deals. Everything gets scrutinized, first of all, right? So what's interesting about equity, that's different than debt. So if you apply for a mortgage, it's fairly easy to get a term sheet. Hey, here's my building. This is a rent roll. You know, when I say fairly easy to get a term sheet, meaning without even looking at the borrower, right? So many times one can apply for to, to a loan, you know, suppose they go through a broker and almost never even talk to the lender. Um, whereas when it comes to equity, there's a lot of, uh, um, a lot of, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's just a lot of uh, energy put into the uh, jockey as opposed to the horse, right? Because uh, they're really betting on the jockey at this point, right? So when you're borrowing money, the lender looks backwards and says, okay, what's your T12 look like? We'll lend you money based on that. When you're looking for equity, the T12 is really not relevant. You're asking for people to look forward and say, hey, I'm going to renovate a unit. I'm going to raise rents. I'm going to distribute cash flow. And so, you know, the, the guy in the driver's seat really is, is is what they're focused on. And so the first thing they do is is, is look at your, your history, is understand about your platform, is get on the phone and talk to you. And, you know, the term sheet is the last thing they're going to send you. Um, so, you know, understanding who the, who, who the jockey is and what the history they've accomplished and if they were right, and if they were wrong and, you know, why things went wrong, you know, a, a big thing, a lot of, a lot of, uh, ink is being spilled now about, uh, forbearance, right? Whether or not people are getting forbearance, they should take forbearance, et cetera. And the argument we're hearing from banks and, and some people is, and whether or not it's going to be kind of like a black dot on your, on your record. And a lot of people are, are suggesting it will be because look, at the end of the day, if the guy next door to you didn't take forbearance and you did, we understand it was COVID. We'll give you the forbearance, but but when we're going to look at doing another deal with you, the fact is the guy next door you didn't have to take it, so he knew what he was doing and he understood how to manage his way through that, and you didn't. And so maybe next time we don't give you seventy five percent leverage, we give you sixty five percent leverage, or maybe next time we require you to have a one five for the SCR, not a one twenty five for the SCR, right? So at the end of the day, 
um, they definitely heavily scrutinize your past and your performance and your and your performer and your you know uh, and your. I, I tell my clients all the time, you need to have some serious data points uh, that support what you're what you're projecting and not just you know kind of use the broker's numbers. Respectfully to you guys, Mark, I'm sure you guys. Uh, you know, the brokers are always trying to find the best comms and the best sales comms, the best rent comms. But, you know, funds want to see that people do their own independent research and they and they, and they can provide, you know, real data for what they're projecting. So they absolutely will scrutinize and 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 ask questions. Now, again, doesn't mean they, they you know, they'll hold you accountable. It doesn't mean they won't do the deal. If, if we understand why, uh, you know, we, we we got to a 1.6 instead of a 2, um, you know, that's okay. We have a client that we did a deal with um, a little over two years ago. And they, it was a two-year hold period, and they planned to sell it in, uh, in, in March of this year. And, of course, COVID came, and all bets were off. And now they're probably not going to hit the IR they were going to. So in a case like that, you know, someone may scrutinize them in a, in, you know, on the next deal or something like that. But it's a fairly good reason, right? COVID came. Nobody did anything wrong. It's not that they couldn't. It's not, I mean, the market basically froze for a period of, period of you know, six, eight weeks or whatever. Now it's kind of throwing out a little bit and opening up. But, you know, so that's a reasonable, that's a reasonable response. But but they're definitely going to ask about it and understand what the process was and understand, you know, why, when we sold, why we sold and ask those kind of questions. Okay. Now, if you're a sponsor that has, let's say several years of experience and you've got three or four or five different equity sources that you work with um, and you have good relationships uh, with, why would um, they work with you, Mark? So excellent question. What kind of value do you bring? Yeah, excellent question. Look, I have clients that have, you know, as little as, uh, you know, we did a deal recently where our client had 100 units and we, he was buying 300 units and we we're able to raise equity for him. And again, one of the ways we did that is we partnered him up with somebody. And I have clients that have uh, 30, 40,000 units. You know, one of my clients actually asked me this question when I met him. And I said to him, look, I, uh, he has 30,000 units roughly. And I met him a couple of years ago. And he asked me this exact question. He goes, Mark, what do I need you for? I got, I know, there's everybody I know, uh, I know. So I said, look, there's going to be a time when you're, not going to know, and you're going to you're going to call me. And it took me about six months, but we did. Uh, we ended up closing a deal with him because the point is that our business is to just go out and find um, equity sources, right? We have tremendous sources. For give you an example, just at two o'clock, we had a call with uh, with somebody who was in the press space, and now they're getting into the in the in the uh, into the JV equity space. And you know, you wouldn't know that if you were an owner because they're not possibly they can't possibly rather reach out to every single owner, but they know that we have good deal flow and we see a lot of business that'll call us out. So we have tremendous relationships. Our focus is just on finding those that are looking to put out equity. We're not looking at deals, we're not fixing toilets, we're not marking, you know, we're not we're not busy renovating units, et cetera. We're just focused on on relationships. And you know, I, I say all the time, equity is very, it's very fluid, whereas debt is very static, right? You know this, I'm sure you see this in all your deals. Every deal, every year it's the same lenders. Maybe, you know, there's a hundred lenders out there, 99 are the same and maybe one or two come in. With equity it's very different. Somebody could have depleted a fund and be out of business. You could have a great relationship with somebody that he retired and he didn't raise a new fund, uh, or or vice versa. Somebody that didn't exist, um, um, you know, came and in, comes into the market, um, uh, and now there's a new uh, there's a new opportunity. Um, another another thing we've seen uh, is sometimes you know people have good relationships. They want to go into a new market, and the funds that back them. Well, we've done 20 deals with you in Texas, but you know you don't know anything about Florida. Go you go use somebody else's money to learn how to do something in Florida, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes they're in between funds, or sometimes they can't. The funds aren't the right size, and Again, you know, it's a relationship-based business. We have tremendous relationships and we respect people that have relationships and it's okay if you think you have relationships. But at the end of the day, our business is relationships and we're out there every single day spending money and, and growing our network and growing our relationships. And there's so many different, you know, ways and, and, and reasons for how and why, uh, you know, people ultimately use us. But, you know, if somebody has relationships, we, we can still complement those relationships. We're not telling you that, you know, your relationships are no good. We're just saying there may be a scenario 
where if even if you have relationships, we may be able to be you know uh, uh, help you out. And again, maybe you're doing a deal that's bigger than the past. There's, there's, I mean, I can go on and on for something like this. Yeah. I mean, every client I speak to, you know, look, we want people with experience, right? So that means they have relationships ready when they come in. Yet, yet we still have a business. So. Thank God it's never been a, a roadblock for us. And again, I think clients appreciate the, the, the value add we can we can create when we uh, when we partner up with them. That's a great segue into the next question. So what's that process look like when a sponsor uh, decides to work with you on a deal that they're looking to capitalize? Sure. So look, we we we're very diligent in, in our in our process and what we look for. So, you know, I, I I like to say we don't really raise equity, we sell equity. So we know what our client, what our investor clients are looking for. So first and foremost, when we when a deal comes in, we study it, we look at it, and we understand the rent comps, the sales comps, the underwriting, you know, what the we try to we try to stress it a little bit, you know, what their um we try to understand what the yield on cost is, what their what the what the um, you know what the returns look like so on and so forth. If it's a deal, um, you know, on the, on the extreme opposite right, let's say for example that looks great, you know, great sponsor, great location, uh, great real estate deal. We'll say, look, you know, we like it a lot. Please retain us. You know, it looks great, and you know, uh, we th- we're confident we can succeed. Um, the polar opposite of that would be, you know, great sponsor, but but or, sorry, not not a great sponsor, not a great location, not a great real estate deal. Well, we'll just say, look, respectfully, this is not for us. We don't think we're going to succeed. You know, and, and passing it and. Of course, we pass on more deals than we take on, um, and then something in between is sort of where somebody comes to us and says, "Hey, we have a real, we have a deal. You know, can you help us raise money?" And we'll say, "Look, good sponsor, bad location, um, but great deal." So, so you know, maybe it's uh, or, or or maybe great sponsor, you know, bad deal, uh, bad location, or bad or, or, or good location, a bad deal. You know, one or the other. Who's the good sponsor? But the point is, it's always better in life to get lucky than it is to be smart. And so we'll say, "Look." Two out of three ain't bad. We just want to manage expectations, but you know, hire us and, and and we'll go out. But we, you know, we're not super confident. So you should just know that. So and we've taken out deals like that, and of course had success. So you know, generally once we agree to get hired, we send you an engagement letter, and then we're off to the races. Uh, as I said, we, we you know we rely uh, a lot on on the clients uh, or research and 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 stuff like that, right? We can uh, and and so excuse me, we rely a lot on the clients' research and and, and information. Generally, we'll take the clients. Uh, you know, the OM, the broker OM, the clients, underwriting, et cetera. And we'll extrapolate the bullet points and salient facts that we know um, our fund clients are looking for and put that into, you know, organize that into an email format and kind of sit down and, and, and digest it and see who we think is the best fit for it. And then we'll send it out via email. And then, you know, we're off, we stop pounding pavement. And usually within a couple of days, you know, we have some calls set up and then we get some term sheets. And here, look, we've done deals from start to finish. You know, if a client has all the ducks in a row, I remember there's a deal we did two summers ago. Um, we signed it up July 30 something. We closed, um, we closed, uh, on Labor Day. So I think start to finish was five weeks. And then last, uh, that was three summers ago, two summers ago, we did a deal. Maybe that was two summers ago. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, that was two summers ago. It was last summer we did a deal. Also client called us up, um, you know, mid July and, you know, by, by, Second to last week of August, we 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 went deal was closed five weeks, start to finish. So that's mean we got a term sheet. We flew down there, we inspected the property, um, you know, negotiated JV docs, got a loan, et cetera, start of it. And what, these these are one of them was the, the one last time was like a sixty two million dollar deal. The one the prior time was like a hundred and fourteen million dollar deal. So you know these are not you know small deals. These are these are larger deals. And so you know it really depends on the client. If you have your ducks in a row, we can move quick. I mean we have guys that have called us up and we've gotten a deal out the door within hours. And sometimes the deal takes, you know, we did a construction deal last year that took uh, 10 months until uh, we were able to close. So it really depends on, 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 on how efficient and how organized the, the sponsor is. If they're efficient and organized, we have a part of our business, you know, knock on wood, like kind of down to a science. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Well, we talked a little bit about the current appetite for equity groups. What changes are you seeing as far as return expectation? And uh, are, are, are you seeing any changes? And if so, uh, what? Yeah, so I, I can't give an exact like, number. I can tell you, again, the buzzword that people have thrown around for the last couple of months was, you know, post-COVID pricing, post-COVID pricing. That buzzword has kind of gone away. Obviously, you know, collections have been better than than, than anticipated. People are still concerned you know, what happens when the PPP money runs, runs out, what happens when the forbearance runs out, what happens when the uh, supplement for unemployment runs out. So nobody's really sure. Um, but people have just been internally adjusting expectations and adjusting return, uh, uh, excuse me, adjusting underwriting and adjusting return expectations. And so, you know, in the past where, you know, people have, would have maybe done a mid-teens deal and, and you know, a, a low single digit, mid to mid, the uh, uh, single digit cash and cash return, that's probably being pushed up a couple of hundred basis points. You know, people are looking for more opportunistic type uh, deals, lower risk, better reward, people who are in, you know, difficult situations. And the reality is, Obviously, multifamily, we're not feeling it yet if we're focusing on family, but there are people who own hotels and retail shopping centers and even office buildings that are really, you know, uh, in deep water. Um, and even, as I said, you know, people just feel that, you know, look, in April and May, you know, the phones were off, basically, you know. So in, in June, people are definitely listening and opening up, but they're not really ready really to pull the trigger yet. I think that the expectations again if suppose somebody had you know was having a difficult time and he got a three-month forbearance well that comes due in july so what's going to happen in july is he going to go into for, is he going to go into foreclosure is he going to go into special servicing so I, I think the reality is people expect that so if they're going to do a deal today they want that kind of pricing and there's a big disconnect look it's uh i don't know and i'm curious to hear from you actually if deals are getting done right we're seeing a lot of uh, sales uh, uh, processes started in june i don't know how many of them closed um you know people are talking about still five caps, some five, some five caps in some markets. Um, but we don't see from our end that the equity is willing to bite on those deals. You know, we, we, we're, we're, we're actively working on some deals now and, you know, we've been busier than ever in terms of inquiries, in terms of, um, uh, uh, uh new client, uh, uh, deals and stuff like that. Uh, but it's hard to execute. I, I will tell you, it's, um, you know, it's, it's really hard to get across the finish line right now. People are taking their time. People are being more methodical, more, uh, you know, uh, uh, as I said earlier, flight to quality in terms of sponsorship, and they really want to be sure. You know, in the past, where um, you know construction, for example, is is a big thing right now. We're getting a lot of this. There are people who have come to us that in the past the magic number, so to speak, for for um, you know the risk reward was a seven yield on cost, right? Mm-hmm. On, on an untrended basis, and now. Um, um, and, 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 and people were kind of getting, you know, before COVID, okay, they brought it down to six and a half to six and a quarter. It's getting hard to do deals. And so there are a lot of people sitting on deals now on land that people have pulled out because now they're like, oh my God, I want to be at a seven year close. What happens if uh, rents don't grow? What happens if rates go up? What happens if velocity goes down? What happens if people get laid off and rents have to go down? And so people really want to be at seven year close untrended. So we're seeing a tremendous amount of people that have deals shovel ready, ready to go where they're coming to us and asking us to help. And unfortunately, they were too ill-conceived because they just, you know, kind of skirted under that seven-year-long cost. So people's, the people with the money are just saying, look, we're going to wait. We're going to wait for the land to get foreclosed on and the price to come down. And it's just, you know, we're not ready to pull, pull the trigger. And I will tell you, construction is a great place to be in right now because you're not worried about collections for the next two years. But they just don't want to make a mistake. People are very cautious about, you know, investing. I don't want to say too soon, but investing where they're going to end up being, making a big mistake. Okay. Any other changes you're seeing just uh, post-COVID? Um, I know we talked a little bit about your process and the timelines. What about decision timelines, you know, from presenting a deal to commitment? Um, and, and I know that's, like you said, you had a deal out Friday. You probably got some kind of commitment on Tuesday. 
So it's really just deal dependent, but any other yeah, so 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 again for something well that deal, you know, uh in, in full disclosure was a was a a, a very tight time due to bankruptcy. So they were forced to move super quick. Um, but still we had a tremendous amount of demand for it because again, it's distressed, opportunistic, bankruptcy, right? You know, very, very, very attractive IRR and you know, great sponsorship. But most deals in general, people are taking very, very long time to get back to us on. Mm-hmm. They're just being way more methodical in terms of how they're underwriting. They're really doing research. They really want to understand things, speak to people, double check things, triple check things, you know, so this, the, 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 and, and, you know, just to be sure. And look, I don't think that demand has lowered, as I said, we're busier as ever. So if people are busy, you know, it's, I, I sometimes feel like I'm eating soup with a, with a fork and not going anywhere, you know, like you're just running the race, but the reality is, is that is that it's just a little bit slower than it normally is, and nobody feels that they're going to lose opportunity. Right in the past, if they didn't come, you know, we had, yeah, we had, um, you know, we had a deal once in um, uh, early late fall of last year, where the uh, we had a we had a great offer actually. We we had an offer. We had you know we were at the point where we had to sign a term sheet, and another shop came along who was looking at it, and then made an offer, and we were so knee deep in with the first shop, even though the second offer was slightly better. My client felt comfortable going with the first one because they were already down there and so on and so forth. Then this second shop was like, now every deal I have, they're like, you know, first, first to respond because, you know, they don't want to lose out. But that was before COVID, right? Now, since COVID, everybody's just taking a much, much slower uh, approach to everything, just really, really being sure. So, you know, I don't know when that stops. I don't know when, when that ends, but it's yeah. definitely, you know, people don't feel the pressure to, 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 to make quick decisions and, you know, things are definitely taking time. I didn't really think about that, but the quality of deals that you're putting out, it's like the broker is really important because if you're putting out a bunch of crappy deals, no one's going to want to move. So, you, I mean, you, you've built a reputation for putting out good deals and you've got people chomping at the bits to deploy capital. Correct. Correct. Generally, I, we'd like to think, again, I, I, I don't know what people think about me, but generally we'd like to think when people see stuff from us, they know that it's something they could like. Obviously, not every single deal is for everybody and our sure. business, it just takes one ultimately. But the idea is when people see stuff from us, we do pre-vet deals. We do, um, you know, sort of pre-vet sponsors uh, in the sense that we know what they're looking for. Again, you can't always hit connect on every single one. But, you know, generally when people see stuff from us, um, you know, they give it attention. And again, especially when we know it's something really interesting they're going to look for, right? So I was giving you that uh, scenario before about one, three, and two scenario where, you know, either we love it or we don't like it or something in the middle. So when it's something we love and we're confident on, um, you know, we know we're going to get a lot of attention. This bankruptcy deal was a good example of that. And so, you know, we, we, um, you know, this, and the equity knows and we're calling and, and we say, give this one attention. They generally give it attention. That's great. So Mark, what's the best way for listeners to reach out and learn more about your expertise? So, uh, yeah, you can, you can look me up on LinkedIn. First of all, obviously Mark Belsky, you can, uh, email me and Belsky at Eastern EQ. Check out our website, easterneq.com, or you can call me, 212-897-9875. Um, again, M, Bell, Scam, as in Mary, B as in Boy, E-L, S as in Sam, K-Y, Eastern EQ, short for equity, or 212-897-9875, Mark with a C.